Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Alternative Health Tools podcast. We are your hosts, Claire Nicolau and Lisa Victoria, and today we are talking about the health benefits of intermittent fasting. And today we are joined with a special guest, uh, Claire Gott, who is a resident nutritionist um, back in Milton Keynes in England. Welcome, Claire. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Would you um, start just by giving everyone a bit of background? Yes, I am. I'm the resident nutritionist in a couple of doctor surgeries here in England. And um, I see patients every day on a one-to-one basis and help make them well through their nutrition. So I do specialise in intermittent fasting. I do specialise in fasting and a very low-carb diet. That's my passion. So talking about passion, how did you get into working with these clients and into intermittent fasting? What's your journey been like? Well, I used to be um, head of science in an adult education establishment, and I found that every time I taught anything about science, I tended to gravitate towards teaching people about their bodies and food and what happened. So I thought perhaps I'm in the wrong line of work. So I investigated and I thought "Mm, where I should be really is helping individuals. So I started some private work, um, got a bit of training and read a lot and ended up in a doctor's, worming my way into actually doctor's surgery and um, asking if I could just help patients. So it sort of snowballed from there. Now I'm fairly recognised in Milton Keynes in uh, England. And um, that's what I do. What what I'm um, really excited about having you here with us, Claire, is that the job that you do in doctor's surgeries that you do is quite unusual, isn't it? So they are quite forward thinking, aren't they, to have a resident nutritionist working with those patients? Yes, absolutely. You, there aren't any other resident nutritionists working in any other doctor's surgeries. I'd certainly think in the south of England that's the case. It's just because I asked if I could do it. And fortunately, I was paid by the council to do it because there wanted to be some networking between our councils and our medical practices. And they just accepted me. And it was a bit of a risk for them because I'm not giving the NHS guidelines. I'm not just saying what the government says we should do. I was very alternative. And I decided that I was going to give the message that I wanted to give. And they took a risk with that. And I and I have to say the first sort of three months was very, very difficult because I was the doctors were saying eat low fat to lower your cholesterol. I was saying eat high fat to lower your cholesterol. I was saying eat more, don't eat breakfast. I was saying all the things that they don't agree with. So there was a bit of sort of, well, nudging down the corridor, here she comes. So it was quite <laughs> um it was quite difficult at first. But I said I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do and give me three months. And if you can see the improvement in your patients, if you can see improvement in you know, their conditions and sort of less medication being given out, then I'm, I'm your woman. So they did. And it's been a little bit longer than three months now, hasn't it? It's been, yeah, it's now been three years. Three years. So it's been fantastic. So now I've seen hundreds of patients. And of course, my clinics have grown and grown. And my patient list grows and grows. My sort of uh, waiting list grows and grows. And I've now 
sort of expanded as much as I can, really. And I have private clients on the back of that. So it's working. Oh, that's fun. That's fantastic. So, well, let's let's start talking about intermittent fasting then, because as you know, Lisa and I are both big advocates of intermittent mm-hmm. fasting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are really excited to hear about what you feel about it, and you know wh- how how it's worked for your patients. Mm-hmm. So, so start telling us about uh, about your approach to intermittent fasting. Okay. Well, I, intermittent fasting is a, it's a fairly well, I say it's a fairly new thing. It's a fairly new thing for us to be doing in the modern world. It's been used for years and years. Intermittent fasting just means restricting the time that you eat. So eating in a certain window. I found that I always put pe- patients on a low carb or ketogenic diet, a very low carb diet, because it reduces inflammation and it improves their health generally. So when at all possible, I will do that. But what I was finding was that patients were getting stuck. So they would lose, you know, a couple of stone or a stone or their inflammation would improve, their arthritis would improve. They got a lot of benefits from low carb eating, but they tended to just get in a rut. And I found that in order to kickstart their sort of weight loss again or improve their health even more, they had to, first of all, drop breakfast, which was, oh, my goodness, drop breakfast, can't possibly do that. Everybody says you've got to eat breakfast like a king. And I said, well, you know, try it. So they stopped breakfast. Then I went to, well, maybe you could push your lunch to two o'clock. So there was this sort of period of fasting. And I put people on these programs and found that within four, six weeks, their health benefits were amazing. You know, their arthritis improved, their weight loss was started again, their blood sugars came down. The benefits I saw from fasting were huge. So then I started investigating it even further and thought, right, well, what if we fast for 24 hours? What if we play around with it? What if we... There was all sorts of benefits I could see that I got really, really excited about it. So then I did loads of reading and of course because I've got all these patients in clinics I can experiment I can say oh you're my guinea pig would you mind being my guinea pig and they all say oh no anything because by the time they've gone into a low-carb diet and I've improved their health they trust me so I just say (laughs) well maybe that was not right but and and some people I thought well they're never going to do it and they say I can't possibly miss breakfast I can't possibly miss my lunch and but I I've got them round to it so now I put everybody that I can possibly do on some sort of time-restricted eating. I'd just like to pick up on something you said there, and I love your passion for this topic. And one of the things you said there is people say, oh, I can't possibly miss breakfast. You've got to eat breakfast like a king. And some challenges people might say is, well, actually, of course, you're going to lose weight if you're skipping a meal. But it's bigger than that, isn't it? Oh, it's much bigger than that. It's not just about it isn't even about calories. And I say to them, forget your calories. Don't even count your calories. Eat the right things. Eat the low carb foods, but skip some meals. Because if you skip a meal, what happens is that your body will then take what well, needs some energy. So it's going to take the fat for energy. So you're going to draw on your fat sources, and that's going to be your new source of fuel. So you're bound to lose weight. It's not because you're just not eating. Yes, you could not eat and eat. You could fast and eat a rubbish diet and you would lose weight. But we're talking about improving health. So we have to keep it clean. And we'll, we'll come on to that, the health benefits in a bit more detail. But um, just, just going back to that, um, how do you deal with those people who have been brought up on the little and often approach? You know, you've got to keep your metabolism fired up. And if you, you know, if you don't, your body will go into starvation mode and then everything will shut down and you'll become, you know, enormous yeah. overnight. 
that, that that's difficult. I just say to them, well, first of all, I say, well, look at you. You know, look at you. You've come to me because you're overweight, you're sick, your knees hurt. So we have to do something. And I, and I always refer back to caveman days. I know a lot of people do this, but it's true. We used to wake up in the morning and there wasn't any food there. The man would go out hunting, kill an animal. The women would cook, you know, prepare the pots. The man would come back at two o'clock in the afternoon with a deer or a lamb. And then we'd have to cook it. So, you know, we were not eating till four o'clock in the afternoon. And then we were feasting and then we were resting. That's time-restricted eating. That's fasting. And it's just so important. When we eat, we have a high, we have a rise in blood sugar. The pancreas secretes insulin to take away that sugar. Now, our pancreases were not designed to keep squirting out insulin to take away this sugar. They're not made for that. They're made if we have an enormous feast and we've got some berries and things that we wouldn't normally eat, so we find some fruits, the pancreas dealt with the high blood sugars when we'd eaten that sort of thing. But it wasn't designed to keep every day, first thing in the morning, secreting insulin. And that's why we've become insulin resistant. That's what we call it. We say, you know, we, we're not designed to squirt out insulin. And you get to middle age and your pancreas says, hey, I've had enough. I've been squirting out insulin to get rid of your sugar and your carbohydrates all your life. And now I've had enough. And then we take a blood test in the doctor's surgery. We see that they're pre-diabetic. We can see, you know, when I say to a patient, well, how do you eat? How do you think you eat? And they say, oh, I eat really healthily. I eat cornflakes for breakfast. I eat beans on toast for lunch. I always eat five fruits a day. And they talk about it. And I look on my screen and I say, well, your blood sugars are way higher than that you know your blood sugars are high that means you're not healthy so we have to change it and that i think brings us on really nicely claire too in the fasting period we shouldn't really be eating anything at all should be nothing that's going to spike our insulin you're quite right there are different types of fasts there's clean fasts and there's dirty fasts there um if you're having a clean fast, in other words, if you're not eating anything, you're just having water. It's called a water fast. So you're just having water for that period of time you choose. It might be 14 hours. It might be 16 hours. It might be 24 hours. That's a clean fast, just water only. Some people have black coffee. Some people have black tea. That's also fine because what you've got to think about is what spikes your insulin. If black coffee doesn't spike your insulin or tea doesn't spike your insulin, that's fine. Some people have fat. So some people might have a teaspoon of butter in their coffee or that seems to be the trend at the moment or MCT oil. There's, there's things that you can have that don't spike your insulin. And I would say if you're going through a fast and you're going with water only, which is, of course, the best, and you get to 14 hours and you really wanted to go for 18, I'd say have a black co coffee, have butter in your coffee coffee it's better than breaking it just have something to keep you going so you do, do get the health benefits of the long fast and just picking up on something you said there which is fantastic because it's talking about you know different lengths of fast so you mentioned if you can only get to 12 14 hours how do our listeners out there who've never experienced fasting how do mm. they know the different types of fasting that they can do do you know there's i always say there's never a failed fast you fasting just means don't eat. So if you don't eat your breakfast, you fasted. If you go all night and you push your breakfast till 10 o'clock in the morning, you fasted as you, there isn't such a thing as a failed fast. I always say 
Start easy, you know, miss your breakfast and try and get to 10 o'clock and then have your first meal. Then the next week, give it a go and try and get to lunchtime and then two o'clock. And eventually the optimum really is a 24 hour fast because at 22 hours, good things start to happen. Wow. Okay. And and also people don't necessarily do it every day, do they? Some people do like alternative day fasting or doing couple of fasts a week that's another way to sort of ease your way in isn't it absolutely ease your way in the whatever you feel is best I think when you've got used to missing a few meals I think the key thing and I have also found this with fasting because I introduced fasting well a fair, fair few months ago with my patients but I found that they also get stuck fasting so they'll say oh I eat 16 8 every day which means 16 hours without eating and then eating in an eight hour window. Or they say, oh, I only have one meal a day. I, but at weekends I have one, you know, maybe two. And I say, never ever get into a habit. Always keep your body guessing. So the ideal for me to build up to, so just miss a few meals for the first week, maybe do 16 hours, maybe do 18 hours, then maybe 24 a couple of times a week or even once a week. But I think the ideal is what I call 5-1-1. So that's five days where you're just playing about. So maybe one day you have breakfast, one day you don't. The next day you have two meals. The next day you might go for 24 hours. So in those five days, you have some sort of time-restricted eating. On the sixth day, you eat a big feast. So not necessarily bad foods. So you try and keep it clean. So you'll still eat low carbohydrates foods, but you'll wake up and you'll have bacon and egg and sausage and mushrooms and you'll have a big fry up. Then maybe lunchtime, cheese and pickles and ham and the dinner time, a big dinner. So you're absolutely pogged. That actually does your body good because it makes you feel you're not missing out. So you have a nice big feast, but then there are consequences of that, of course. So hopefully the next morning you'll feel rather pogged and so some people do eat off plan on their feast days. I wouldn't advise it at first, but you can do. So if you know you're going to a birthday party and you know you're going to have to have that cake that mother-in-law's cooked or something like that, I would say the next day you fast for 24 hours. So you wake up in the morning, you miss breakfast, you miss lunch, and you have a small dinner at night. That seems to be the optimum I've found for patients, but never, ever get into a habit always change it around. So don't feel, oh, today I've got to fast till three o'clock. You don't. You can have breakfast. If it doesn't work for you and you're feeling really hungry, listen to your body. Fasting has got so many benefits, but it has to be long term. You've got to be fasting for the rest of your life. So make it doable. But it's actually very easy, isn't it? I think one of the things that I really like about intermittent fasting is that from a lifestyle point of view it's so easy because as you say when you're mixing it up like if I know I'm out for dinner tonight then I might not eat until I go out tonight in a few days I might go out for lunch so maybe I'll have breakfast and then lunch and then I won't have dinner and it's just so easy whereas with the old calorie restricting you know counting in calories counting out calories it's so well it's miserable for a start isn't it it? and it's just it's so restrictive and then you have that guilt associated with the overeating and with intermittent fasting you just don't have any of that do you at all no you don't and I think there's a there's a point here to say that I would always want people to be on a low carb or ketogenic diet I, I think it's really healthy but some people just can't do it you know, some people still want to have their toast at the weekend. Some people still want to have bread and potatoes and things that I think are inflammatory, but you can't change everybody. And some people won't do it wholeheartedly. So I always say to those patients, well, if you can't do it 
and you still have to have carbohydrates because you feel you need them, then you've got to fast. So there are ways of still getting some of the benefits and keeping your weight down by fasting and eating carbohydrates. In fact, there's been quite a lot of research lately on can you fast and still have those carbohydrates? Can you still have a crappy diet and fast and get the health benefits? And yes, there are ways you can do that. I wouldn't advise it. I don't think it's great, but people do manage. I mean, you've probably heard of the 5-2 diet by Michael Mosley. He would suggest that fasting for 24 hours twice a week, well, restricting calories for twice a week, for two, two days a week, and eating fairly normally the rest of the week is good. Now, it does work. I've experimented with people who will not give up carbohydrates. They fast for 24 hours twice a week, and they keep their weight down. Not a great way to lose weight and not a quick way to lose weight. But if you took that to three days and thought, well, I'm going to have my carbohydrates, I'm going to have my toast, I'm going to have all that because I'm not going to give it up, then I would suggest 24 hours, three times a week, and you're probably going to get there very, very slowly. But slowly is better than not at all, isn't it? And that was one of the things when I started fasting is I thought, gosh, how am I going to go without breakfast? And I woke up and I got to about 10 o'clock in the morning and I thought, oh, I'm starting to feel a bit hungry. I'll just push it till 11 and then I'd have my lunch early. And, you know, you're talking about eating, you know, clean foods in your window, ideally. One of the things I found after I'd got into fasting, my body started talking to me and craving different foods so I could feel that healing going on within. So initially when I got to my window and I opened it, I was just eating whatever I fancy. Yeah. But after a few weeks, once my body had started to heal and get the benefits of fasting, I was then craving different foods. Do you find that with your patients Yeah, I as do. Well? I do. They, because they've done the fasting, so therefore they don't want to eat a load of rubbish. At the beginning, trust me, they will. You know, they'll fast for 24 hours and they'll eat everything under the sun. You know, they'll raid the fridge. We've all done it. But after a while, you think, well, actually, you know, I've, I've not eaten for 24 hours. Why would I nourish my body with crisps and rubbish? So it's, it's, your body does change and your body, you're quite right, does crave, does crave different things. To be, I did a bit of an experiment last week. I did a, a water fast because I do, I think the, I think it's great to do a water fast. This might sound a bit extreme, but I did a three day water fast after it. I was amazed that I was craving sauerkraut. Well, yeah. I don't even like sauerkraut, but I went to the shops and I bought some. Well, maybe maybe it's my gut bacteria not, not telling me something. So I went and got some sauerkraut and I thought, well, it's so sour. What can I do with it? So I mashed up some avocado and <laughs> ate it with avocado. And actually, now I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of it. I, I, I've made sure I've got two bottles for the next week. So I just have sauerkraut, avocado, a bit of Parmesan cheese. But I think that's my body telling me something. Maybe my gut biome's not quite working so well. So that's my new mission to find out all about my gut bacteria. That's your gut telling you something very strange. <laughs> <laughs> True. And sauerkraut is very good for us, isn't it? And Absolutely. Just talking about a three-day water fast, um, one of the things that my mum actually did one a couple of years ago because she had chronic eczema and arthritis, but it was the eczema that um, drove her to do a three-day water fast because she just was itching. She'd had um, lots of antibiotics and steroids from the doctors and it was driving her mad. She couldn't sleep at night and my mum's got quite a strong, you know, high th pain threshold. Um, 
So I did a three-day water fast with her. And at the end of that three-day water fast, the benefits were incredible. It wasn't easy because it's getting your head around not eating and it comes to mealtime and it's that habit, isn't it? So I guess off the back of your water fast last week, what benefits and differences did you see? Because you do intermittent fasting already and obviously, you know, a low-carb diet. So what benefits did you see from doing a prolonged fast? Well, to be fair, I do, I do a prolonged fast once every six months, because I think once you're into, into intermittent fasting and you're eating well, I think a three-day water fast every six months is crucial because it clears out all your dead cells. It resets your body. You know, we have lots of cancer cells floating around, you know, that are not, not growing, but they're all floating around. We have a lot of junk in our bodies. So I truly believe, and actually when I see, when I water fast, I think of that. I think, well, I'm hungry. I really want to eat. And it's just, I'm a bit bored and I'd love to be cooking a meal. But I think about all those cancer cells and I think about all the rogue cells floating around in my body and think, gosh, I'm flushing these away. So it's really a positive experience. I always feel really energetic after it. I feel very clear headed. So I will run a clinic and I'll be, won't be talking any nonsense. I'll be, I'll be really focused on what I'm doing. So I get more work done on that third day of a fast. Um, and I think that you should just go for it and try it. And I'm sure you'll see the benefits. Can I just come back to something you said? I think this is a good, good time to bring this up. Um, you were talking about the, you know, the bad cells floating around in our bodies. Um, what probably a lot of people don't understand is this concept of, I've heard it called clearing out the cellular trash. So when you're fasting and your body is not involved in processing and digesting foods, it has the opportunity to clear out the cellular trash. And, and can you explain a little bit about that and, and why that's so beneficial? Yeah, it's called it's called autophagy. You've probably heard of it, but it's called autophagy. And it just means that we are, we, we sort of, we clear out, you, Claire, you're quite right. We clear out all that trash that's floating around in our body. Our cells repair, we have stem cell repair, we produce stem cells. And it's so good for aging. You think, you know, all our aging cells, they get repaired. And, I, and I'll give you a little example of what happened to somebody I saw about three weeks ago. She had a frozen shoulder and she came to me and I noticed she couldn't take a coat off. She was big lady as well. But I said, you know, what's wrong with your shoulder? And she said, oh, I've been to chiropractors. I've been to massages. I've been to physios. I've been everywhere and I just can't solve it. And I said, would you do an experiment for me? Would you fast for three days? And then tell me how your shoulder is. And she said, well, why would that make any difference? I said, I just want to see if it would. And she fasted for three days and her frozen shoulder or whatever it was with her shoulder disappeared completely. So it is, that was proof for me. That was enough. Of, that was my experiment. But I've, I've read about it, of course. But it was proof that your body heals itself. And it's a self-healing mechanism. We're amazing. Our bodies are amazing. And we will clear up and we will heal. And I say to anybody that comes to me and they've got cancer, they've just been diagnosed with cancer, fast, fast, because if those cancer cells are flying around your body, you need to get rid of them. And the only way you can get rid of them is by fasting. And that's a really important point now you've made is about healing. And quite often, most of us, me included, before I, I learned about intermittent fasting is I'd go to bed at night and that would be my only healing time. That'd be the only time that I wouldn't be consuming any food or drink 
Um, but when you give your body space to heal, i.e. you don't eat anything and you go into that fasted state, that's what I call the magic time where your body can start to actually do those deeper repairs. That's exactly what happens. Deeper repairs. And there are, you know, there are, there are lots of different ways of fasting. There's fasting with, like we talked about, with black coffee, with black tea, with a bit of fat. There's fasting just with water. But there's also something called dry fasting. And this is a fairly new thing. So there's not been masses of research done on it. But it's quite exciting. Um, I tried a dry fast this week. And actually found it really hard. You should never dry fast for more than 24 hours. Dry fasting means you don't consume any water, any liquids. You just wake up in the well. I had my last drink at nine o'clock at night and then I was trying to get to nine o'clock the next day. By about four or five o'clock, I was absolutely, I felt like I was a prune. I just needed some water. So I broke it because like I say to my patients, there's no such thing as a failed fast. You know, you did it for a few hours. I will try it again next week because it's an interesting concept. Researchers would say that 24 hours dry fasting is the equivalent to three days water fasting. So they've measured the amount of cancer cells in someone's body and then they've measured them again after 24 hours and they've done it with a, a similar patient with a three-day water fast. And it takes three days to rid the body of what the cancer cells that could be rid in 24 hours of dry fasting. So it's a really interesting field. And I'm doing quite a bit of research in that. But it's um, it's certainly not going to do you any harm to try it. But I think you do need to listen to your body. You need to say, do I feel, am I going to collapse? Am I going to, if you are, or you feel enormously hungry or sick, then you do need to break it. But it's a really good fast to try. And it's not so long. Wow. That is that is interesting. I, <clears throat> I personally, I think I'd struggle with that because I I like to drink quite a lot of water, and I and I, I think like you would feel like a prune probably after about half an hour. water. <laughs> One of the things that I've noticed through intermittent fasting, and I've only really been doing it since February this year. I I had dabbled. I dabbled with the five two um, a few years ago, and as you said about weight control, it's brilliant. But it does mean you can get away with quite a lot on your non-fasting days. So not necessarily the point from a health point of view. But but since I've been doing a better pattern of intermittent fasting, um, the main, well, I've noticed uh, several benefits. But one of the big things that I have really noticed is that this is the first summer that I haven't been um, constantly taking antihistamines for my hay fever. And I've been taking antihistamines since I was 16. I'm now in my late 40s, mid 40s, should I say. I have had to take really high doses plus nasal sprays, plus eye drops and all sorts of other things. And this year, um, I have hardly taken anything for my hay fever. And I do put that down to the benefits of intermittent fasting and reducing inflammation it's and inflammation and mm-hmm. i don't i don't follow a completely keto diet i have to mm-hmm. say i do have some carbs not i'm not a big carb eater but i don't follow a completely keto mm-hmm. diet so i don't think it's that probably it helps but i think for me it's the, the fasting has shown a really really powerful impact on my levels of inflammation and i think that's fascinating it is there's quite a few and i think you're right you don't have to follow a completely keto diet i mean a healthy diet is fine if you call grains healthy then that's fine i wouldn't call grains healthy but but a fairly a fairly low carbohydrate diet being careful about what you eat is is uh, crucial but you're quite right you can fast you can get the benefits of fasting you can get enormous benefits 
through just doing a couple of 24 hour fasts. I had, my husband had gout. I don't know how living with me because I still think it's an inflammatory disease, but he had gout a few years ago. And I said to him, you've got gout. He refused to admit he had gout. And I said, you need to fast. You need to fast because then it will go. And that's a highly inflammatory disease. So, and he eats not fantastically, but not appallingly by any means. And um, I said two fasts, 24 hours a week. So we started with a three day fast, a three day water fast. And then he went to two days, two days, two 24 hour uh, slots, one a twi- once a week. And uh, gout was cured and they'd put him on tablets. And I said, don't throw those tablets away. You don't need those tablets. It's inflammatory. I can heal you. He said, oh yeah, you know, rolled his eyes, of course, but another experiment. And he did it. And all the things the doctors say about gout, you need to avoid shellfish, you need to eat this, you low purine foods. It's absolute nonsense. Your body is inflamed and it's showing you it's inflamed. So the best way to get inflammation down is by fasting. I love I love how you just kind of summarized that there. And we've talked about many of the benefits of fasting from not having to take antihistamines to curing gout to lots and lots of, you know, my mum with her eczema, losing weight, you know, getting rid of the dead cells floating around so there's lots and lots and lots of benefits i guess just just who is it for who can fast everybody there isn't anybody that people say oh i can't fast because i've got to take medication well normally you can take medication it says you have to take medication with food normally that's nonsense when they say that because i've I've spoken to the doctor and said look i want to put this person on a fasting regime he's taking blah 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 and he said oh it doesn't really matter because it always says in the on the backs of the pill packets must be taken with food but that's if you've got a really sensitive stomach and it most of the medications can be taken just with water and most of the medications can be taken twice a day you know at periods when you are eating or once a day so just don't believe everything you read on the back of those pill packets and you anybody can fast everybody everybody should fast do you um do you have any caveats to that say for children or pregnant I ladies? I do. Or? I do. Yeah. When I say everybody, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Uh, pregnant ladies shouldn't fast. Pregnant people shouldn't fast. Children, I never put on a fasting regime. Actually, sometimes if they're really overweight, I say it doesn't really matter to miss your breakfast or you know just push it to ten o'clock. But I would never, I would never put a child or a pregnant woman on or somebody who was. Uh, very, very underweight, very old and underweight, then I just say, eat your custard creams, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I guess people with eating disorders, it's, mm. it's something extra to think about, isn't it? It is. But actually, you know, the jury's out with people with eating disorders. I've got some people with eating disorders, and sometimes they like the structure of fasting because that's what they're, they're very sort of ordered people and they like a regime. So what I do is I usually say, well, you can fast and I would like you to fast, but then I, I want to know what you're eating in those two windows that you are eating and making sure that they're getting the calories in that they need. Yeah, so I just, I guess for, for anyone that's outside you know, uh, having a fairly normal, healthy diet anyway, before they start, it might be worth them seeing their doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Always check with your doctor. Always check with your doctor. Because, you know, sometimes um, fasting can cause um, heart arrhythmia. Um, There's ways of getting around that. I have heart arrhythmia, but I just take more salt. So I take more salt that keeps my salt levels high or 
level, which means that I don't get arrhythmia. So there's, there's things to look out for. So I, would, I wouldn't just launch into a three-day fast without doing a lot of reading or be under a health coach. Go and see somebody about it. But make sure you see somebody who believes in fasting. That's um, a really important point, isn't it? Because if you're talking to the wrong people, they're going to give you the wrong advice. But if you think fasting could be for you, you need to find a health coach that has enough knowledge on intermittent fasting that they can give you proper advice. And Absolutely. That's, that's really key. Yeah. I think that's great advice, Claire. Thank you very much. I think it's always advisable to see your doctor if you're not sure about anything new that you start. Um, and that's probably as good a place as any to wrap up for today. Claire, it's been fantastic to have you on with us. Thank you so much. Um, anybody that wants to contact Claire directly, please feel free. It's Claire without an I, same way as I spell mine, C-L-A-R-E at academyofhealth.co.uk. Link also in the show notes. Fantastic. Yeah. Once again, thank you, Claire, for joining us today. And if you've got any questions for uh, myself and Claire Nicolau, you can uh, message in feedback at lifehacksforliving.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on intermittent fasting. So we're your hosts, Claire Nicolau and Lisa Victoria on Alternative Health Tools podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do share with others. And we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Until next time, take care.